Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. This is your host with the most, Hopsy Go Giggity Baby Boy. Episode, I actually don't even know. All right, this is a semi-annual show, and uh, we're actually, we're about a month early here in terms of semi-annual shows and how that kind of works. So a little bit ahead of your game for the listener here today, but in all seriousness, there was a white, there was a writer's strike, an unforeseen, an unfortunate one, and I mean, it's not the first time something like that has happened to the show, but um, expect it back and rolling, regular scheduled programming. We were looking to make it, like I said, a Sammy annual show, but I have a lot of listeners that are in extremely rural areas of the country and, and in, the Amer- in the Americas too, down into the United States area. A lot of people that listen to the show are in extremely rural areas and this is like honestly their only source for news. So like when you when you take this show off air, it completely, it just cuts those people off from the, the real world. And I mean, I've seen how crazy the world's been getting lately. I mean, you know, we thought the pandemic was the end of it, but here it is. It just, it's kind of snowballing. Everything's getting a little bit more crazy. So I just wanted to bring this show back for my listeners, for the mass following of the show. Cause honestly, they know there's a lot of people that they rely on the project and it's not just those people out in those rural centers. Like I said, using this as their news source, a lot of people you know, they directly correlate parts of their quality of life with this show. So taking it off air, you know, for five months, it's not only a disservice to the growth of this show, but it's honestly a disservice to the listeners of the program. And that's honestly what we're here to do is create that community that the project's known for. The pod, like people that listen to the project, I know what it's like when you guys are on the street, like you run into one another and it's like you've already met. Because there is that common bond that the project brings, that community atmosphere. You know, human beings, a lot of what we're looking for in life is literally just companionship. So that's what I love about this show so much is because when I make these episodes, I'm talking into the microphone right now. But if I simply close my eyes, it's like I'm right there with you, the viewer, right? And we're just having a simple conversation about the things that are important to us and the society and simply how we can just keep leveling up and continually get better. And that's why a lot of this podcast has been solely based on, you know, financial education, foreign policy, things like politics, like for one, like this is a political podcast. And I mean, I, I take this seriously and I take it, you know, I don't, I don't take this shit lighthearted. I hope you know, that's why things like, unfortunately, when there are disputes that have to get worked out, you know, a writer's strike like that might happen. But folks, honestly, a lot has happened in these past five months. A lot's changed. I got a big boy job now. I'm now a corporate shrill. Something I thought I would never do. But no, I've made a quick pivot. Corporate shrill now. No, it's been good. Got a big boy job. I got a sales gig with a roofing manufacturing company. And I got to travel quite a bit. I'm on the road a lot. Got a big territory, Saskatchewan, Alberta, in BC. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what is sales? What is your job? Simply put, what I try to tell people what I do is I simply find, I find consumers' problems and I try to be the bridge and the gap that brings them towards their solution. So a lot of people are like, 
what do you do? I bridge the gap more so than I do sales, okay? And that's where I think this show can come and partner with that. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying, but you know that there is some sort of a synergy there, okay? But no, it's been good getting a big boy job and it's it's extremely weird having a um, employment for longer than a four-month span and then fucking off to go play hockey for Subway coupons and riding a bus with there's a bunch of 20 other stinky boys farting. It's like a Dutch oven on wheels out there, boys. It's the Wild West. It's not safe out there. No, it's been, it's been kind of cool. You know, it's been a big transition this past year. Um, just over a year now since I shut her down, became a real grown-up. And, uh, you know, it's been good, though. It's been good. But I'll be honest, I do miss making these shows. And I love doing it. It's fun to me. And I think about I was thinking about it all the time. Like I'd be on the road somewhere. Or I'd have a night and I'd be like, I'm recording a pod. I'm recording a pod. Like I'm like planning. I'm going to talk about this and that. And I don't It just I was just, you know, fucking the dog realistically. So I apologize to you, my listeners who hold me accountable. Like I said, I had these guys up in those rural centers demanding news and the accountability will be delivered on the program. Here. The project believes in accountability. That is literally, the word is plastered on our studio wall. But, uh, you know, it's it's just the way it is, honestly. And it's it's just so nice. Like, I, I, I have this mic in front of me and, you know, a lot of these times, you know, we're traveling. We're not, we don't have a set studio all the time at the project. This is a show that it's investigative journalism that, you know, it has to be brought on the road sometimes. So... Basically, wherever I'm recording, as long as I have that microphone in front of the, in front of ye, maybe that would have been a term they would have used years ago, in front of ye, I feel at home with the microphone in front of ye, if you will. So it's just good to be back. It's an, it's an absolute honor. And what was really intriguing about this whole process, again, is, and I do not think, like when it comes to those rural listeners who, who contacted me and reached out, there are many areas in Canada where like things like patents, they just don't recognize them. And they're, these are very proud communities where everything that they use and they derive, it has to be created within the community. So I'm talking like some of these guys have just gotten certain people, you know, qualified to the point where they can create their own telephone. So that was how a certain group of these guys out there rurally got a hold of me. One of the guys finally, they finally got the fucking phone up and running, gave me a call, said, bro, where the fuck's the project? And I said, fair, it's coming out soon. So it's like, I don't think there's, you can look it up. Like there's communities out there all over. Like, and it's, it's fascinating because they're kind of like, I don't know, you know, like some guy drives by in a pickup truck and like a buddy sees, you know, they're driving around in the tr- their own car and they see how convenient those things are. So then they see what's out there and they want to create that on their own. So, you know, you get all these different communities that are at different levels of their progression, if you will. So, I mean, that's part of it, right? That's something that I don't think a lot of people not only not pay mind to, I just don't think it's something that a lot of people are aware of. Truthfully, truthfully. Um, the show is being broadcasted from beautiful Lloyd Minster. And I like, I say Lloyd Minster, like you have to, you don't even say the province after, cause what do you say? For those of you who don't know, Lloyd Minster 
is literally a town that straddles the exact provincial boundary of Alberta and Saskatchewan. Lloyd Minster, right on the fucking line there, baby. Right down the line. Gary Rafferty reference, you like that? But it's, it's a funny city. If you look at it on a map, a lot more bars on the Alberta side where the drinking age is 18 as opposed to Saskatchewan's 19. I always thought it was so comical that Canada has different drinking ages in different provinces. It makes no sense at all. Why did we let them make those decisions? Like it's, it was up to the province to create it. But you think maybe a little while ago when these decisions were being made and someone maybe federally would have looked just down the, and been like, hey, boys, make it make a little more sense. Or maybe like we'll have some uniformity and like the West will be 18, the East... Ontario in the east will be 19, not like BC, the drinking age 19, Alberta, the drinking age 18, Saskatchewan, the drinking age 19, Manitoba, 18, Ontario, 19, Quebec, 18, all of the maritime provinces, 19. I'm actually not sure about the territories. And then when it comes to Newfoundland, I don't think, I think there's an age actually in Newfoundland where you have to start drinking. Like it might be like 12 and it's different in a place like Newfoundland because, you know, we have drinking ages and they have drinking like, you better fucking get on it, son. You're 12. Get it into you kind of thing. That's what they do up there. Is, that's what I've been told. I've never been up there again. But uh, I just think it's so funny. Canada, literally. Uh, I, I just named the provinces from west to east and it literally goes one than the other. They just switch ages as you go. It, it really doesn't make sense. But where I was going with that was I was talking about Lloyd Minster in the scene of this city. Yeah. A lot more bars on the Alberta side. I always like, that'd be like why, if you lived in Lloyd Minster, I wonder if that's like a, that's obviously something that they're making decisions about. Like, okay, are we going to lease this commercial property? But we, we got a really good deal on the one in Lloyd Minster, but we can't afford it, Glenn, because we're going to miss out on all the 18-year-olds who want to get fucked up. Maybe that's a business conversation that I'd love to honestly sit in. I could probably learn a lot just from hearing the decisions that they'd come up with in that regard. But no, Lloyd Minster's a, Lloyd Minster's a funny city. Never been here before. And it's weird because like, never even like had to... Never played hockey here. They got an Alberta Junior League team. Never played in the AJ myself. Um, honestly, haven't heard much about Lloyd. I don't know anything about it. It's bigger than I expected. And as a normal city in Canada, once you hit that, I think it's around 20,000 in Canada, you must be able to just some, submit some sort of like application where you can just acquire every single fast food chain that's typically seen in Canada and you can put them all into a single strip mall. I think that's what they do in Canada. There's like some sort of a board when 20,000, all right, they've hit 20,000, commercial development, strip mall, a um, lot of fast food, a lot of fast food, a lot of chains that you can see in every single fucking town in Canada. One, th You know what? I wanted to touch on this. I'm going to go right into it right now. Perfect little segue given that opportunity that I'll double back. Don't worry. We'll finish on Lloydminster. We're not done with you yet, pal. We are not done with you. And I don't know if this is like a thing in the States. I don't believe it is. But Canada, it's got to be something again with the uniqueness of the country, with it being so spread out in such a low population for that big of an area. I, 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 I don't know. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. But what I'm saying is you can go into Calgary 
And you can go to Earl's, Joey's, Local, The Pint, all these restaurants. And then you could, f- maybe you want to go to the Jays game. And, uh, you know, you're going to go to Rogers. You know, you got to go to the Rogers Center in Toronto. You fly out there with your family and friends. You're looking to have a good time. You want to have a couple cocktails in the summer sun. So what do you do? You're going to go to the best bar with the best location to the Rogers Center, which is right now in Toronto, the fucking pint. So when you're at the Calgarian, your trip, you're booking that trip, and you, you're, you can't wait to go get out there in Rogers Center, get some hot dogs, get some of those big old beers that are too big and get too hot before you're done. You cannot finish them without it being lukewarm hot tub water. You're going to go out and get a couple of those. But when you go to Toronto, you fly out and you have to go to a pint because that restaurant that has the best location of the Rogers Center is the same restaurant that you were just at for wing night with your buddies on Wednesday three days ago and you've flown all the way to fucking Toronto for a domestic flight in Canadian who knows how much it cost you you might have had to remortgage your home with these plane prices and now you've flown across the country and you're going to the same fucking restaurant you were at this week already and make it make sense to me. These, the same thing, a local eatery is another one. There's a local eatery in every... T- I was in Medicine Hat, Alberta last night. There's a local eatery in Med Hat. There's one in Toronto now. They're, they're, like, I just don't get it. Like, I, you, Imagine being a European and you're like traveling Canada. Like, you do some big elaborate trip. It's like, oh, sweet. They have the same restaurants in every fucking city. Like, great. Great. Like, I give a shit. So... When I'm traveling like I am, like I try to get out and see some like restaurants that aren't Cactus, Joey, all these ones. I mean, like the thing is about these restaurants, though, you get on the road. It's like, do I really want to gamble and wade through TripAdvisor? Type in when I'm, you know, I'm in Lloyd tonight. Do I really want to type in top 10 restaurants, Lloyd Minster, and wade through Yelp reviews to make a decision? No, no, I, I, I don't. So often I think that's, that's why these places do so well. They are consistent. They have good food, decent atmosphere all the time, you know, decent scenery, if you know what I'm saying. So, like, it, you know what you're going to get every time when you go in there. You're not going to be having a bad time. That's why I think a lot of it is risk management with the restaurant decision making, if you know what I'm saying. You just want to, in this economy, you want good bang for your buck. You can't be going out and eating, spending that hard earned dough with these ridiculous prices right now and have a bad experience. You can't do it. But I do think it's dust. Like, you know, you, you fly across the country now and you can see franchises everywhere. Like, you know, before it was Boston Pizza and it was Montana's, but now like Earl's, Joey and stuff, and they were already pretty spread out across the country. But now how how you can get them anywhere, it's actually, I don't know. It's just weird. I wish every every city should have more unique, diverse food restaurant life, if you will. But that's, hey, again, this is just me. And I'm just some fucking guy, right? That's just me. I'm not saying that's how it's got to be, but I'm just some guy, right? That's that's what I see out of it, all right? But no, Lloyd Minster. Lloyd Minster. What a spot. It's funny. So I go to check in here. I'm out of Hampton, and the Hampton and Lloyd Minster. I go there. The lady at the front desk, she goes, Oh, sir, I put you up in 326. Put you around the back so you can take advantage of the nice views. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. I didn't really think anything of it. Get up into my room, throw my bag down, you know. Throw the, throw the briefcase on the chair, rip open the fucking curtains to have a nice look at this view that she's speaking so highly of. We're in Lloyd Minster. I don't know what I was thinking I was going to look at. I look out there. It's a, it's a vacant lot. I wanted to go down there. Honey, where I'm from, that's uh, abandoned. That's just a vacant property where I grow up. There's not a view at all. 
Maybe I'll go down there. I actually might after this step. I'm a, are, you, are you the front desk lady? Or are you a fucking jokester? When's the open mic? Are you a comedian? Because I don't know if you think that I'll be played for a pool. You tell me you give me the view. You're trying to do me a solid. Don't act like you're doing me a solid. Okay? I stayed here because I'm a Hilton Honors member. I didn't stay here because of the front desk lady giving me the gear. I can, okay? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I went out for uh, something to eat earlier today. Went to a Canadian brew house. Another one of those restaurants I'm talking about. For some reason, they're in every city in the planet. I, I can't stop going to Canadian brew house. I've never been to one in my life. I get this job. I can't stop going to them. It's, it's crazy. Not bad, though. They're not bad. They're not bad at all. But anyways, I'm in there. And I'm walking in. And I fucking, like, these guys, you know, guys, everyone smokes out in these towns. I find, like, you know, people smoke. But, like, I find, I don't know. You just notice. I don't know if you notice it more. I don't know. Everyone's smoking in these towns. So these group of guys, you know, they're probably around my age. And three of them, they're just shooting the shit. You know, they kind of look like hicks, but, you know, we're in fucking Lloyd Minster. So, like, you know, it's, boys are kind of hick out here, you know, and as they as they should be. There's a country boys out here. And anyway, so, like, I'm just walking by. And, like, I'm not even trying to eavesdrop. And I just overhear this conversation. Like, this is the shit you'll overhear. I'm walking into Canadian Brew House this way. I hear, oh, cripes, yeah. Like, he's, like, stretching his arm. Picture me. For some reason, it's like he's trying to loosen up his shoulder while I hear him saying this. I walk in. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. He's got his left hand up to his right shoulder like he's like pushing on some sort of muscle. And he's, and he's like moving that arm around. You know, he's kind of getting the chicken wing going. Anyways, I'm just trying to give you a visual picture of the Canadian brew house. You can see it right now. Okay, you can see it. This is the boys outside right now. The smoke pit, three of them darts going. This guy's working on his wing there, trying to get some movement though. And he's talking with this dart hanging off his lip. And I just overhear as I go into the, I'm going into the, the brew house there to go to the front door. And I hear this guy, he goes... Yeah, well, you know, it's fucking just great to be back in town there, you know, like, I was kind of up in semi-seclusion up near Cold Lake ever since that incident with, you know, me putting my hands on Danny Trett, so it's just nice to be back and see somebody. I overhear this, I fucking stopped right in my tracks and like, I don't know, I got it's like, I'm pretty big, I've never been fearful in my life, I, I grabbed the doorknob, it's like I stopped and it's like I wanted to turn around and just look at him because it was the most hysterical thing I've ever heard in my fucking life like a screenwriter in Hollywood could not come up with what just came out of that guy's mouth it was incredible I just stopped though and like I wanted to turn around and look at him because like I was thought it was so funny you know like I'm very good at like I'm having the emotion that I'm laughing out loud crying but I'm able to hide it with a straight face but I'm still having the same satisfaction internally as if I was laughing hysterically so that's what's going on in my head but I wanted to turn around but I'm scared man like fuck he, what happened to Danny Trett what's he gonna do to me put his hands the incident the incident with Dan, when I put my hands on Danny Trett the fuck's going on in Lloyd Minster semi-seclusion anyways extremely extremely interesting stuff crazy oh my god NHL playoffs rolling on rolling on and it's the time of the year where like i i'm so dialed in huge leaves fan the boys fucking actually won around beating a really good tampa bay team and i like to make a lot of fun about the tampa bay lightning because of things like they winning cups through the pandemic and the shortened seasons and whatever like the kucherov scenario where he was on the injury reserve and they were like fucking his whole salary was over the cap and he just added them back on playoffs you know there's lots that you can chirp tampa bay about but i truly thought that from just like a winning team like what you're actually trying to build not 
getting a bunch of superstars and boys doing the Michigan, like what you're trying to create from a winning hockey team in the National Hockey League level. I thought that Tampa Bay was one of the most impressively constructed teams in recent memory. Like they had it all, man. They had stars with supporting cast, secondary scoring, unbelievable role players who knew their roles and did it well. And a back end that was so fascinating. They had three absolute stud defensemen that allowed them to literally carry three guys who I actually had never heard of watching the first round. This is no disrespect to these guys. They're National Hockey League players. But I didn't know who the fuck these guys were. And they're all making under a million dollars. You know, it's it's intriguing. That team was fucking good. And yes, again, you can say shit like the pandemic cups, the 56-game season, the bubbly hockey cups. That's what I like to refer to them as, bubble hockey. You know, the, 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 the pandemic shit there up in Edmonton, the bubble. But uh, they were an ex- extremely good team. And as big of a douchebag as, as John Cooper has kind of become to me after all these interviews, and he thinks he's such a beauty on the mic yapping, he's an unbelievable coach. And I think he very in- intelligent. Like just the way he answers questions in, um, you know, post in press conferences, it's just like he is one of those coaches that you see that is able to like take the media's attention and like draw it to him and get it off their players. And, and you know, let their f- players focus. And again, it's a very unique m- hockey market being Tampa. Like, I wonder what the media situation's down there. It's not like Toronto. The guys are fucking playing, just getting absolutely roasted after every game and shit. Even though I don't think they are. The Toronto media of, like, the Phil Kessel, Dion Phaneuf days, you know, they had, like, those two guys were studs and they were on some really bad Leafs teams. Like, I can remember, like, guys literally being like, when are you going to stop sucking? When are you going to score a goal, Phil? When are you going to dust off the elliptical, Phil, you fat fuck? Like, it was actually comical. And, like, I know the Toronto media is insane, but I think some things have certainly changed. Like, you look at them, they lose to Florida. A horrific performance by their big dogs. Absolutely vanished in the second round all these guys they're paying six nine eleven and eleven million dollars just to name the core four i don't know if i got their numbers right but it's something like that they're paying them a lot of money and they get the questions after a fucking absolute collapse in the second round against an eight seed wild card team who granted his fucking stud squad but they're getting questions like Oh, do you guys, you know, how do you feel? Is this the group you want to be with moving forward? I wanted to be like fucking, I, and, oh, don't even get me started on those guys right now. I'm a huge Leafs fan, but I just don't know. It's hard to watch this shit, man. Like it's, it's just, how can this keep happening? A team that is this beloved, apparently has this much media attention in a country that has six other fucking five other NHL teams in it that barely get talked about compared to these guys. How have they not been able to figure this shit out? It's incredibly fascinating to me. And it really is. The NHL, I obviously know a lot more about than other sports. Like, I would never try and talk like this about any other sport because I really don't know it. And I'm not acting like I'm some hockey guru. But the thing like the salary cap, it makes building a team in the NHL like so unique. So unique to each organization. There's no blueprint. Like I hate when everyone's like, look at what look at what Tampa's done. Like example just recent example again, not to keep talking about them, but look what Tampa's done. Look what they've created. 
it's marvelous and it should be the league's example how to build a franchise. But it's, no, it's not. Every market's different. Every city's different. Every tax fucking code is different in every state. In in Canada, they're getting rinsed by not making as much money because of taxes. Like that shit, all this shit comes into play when you're talking about building an NHL franchise. So I look at the Leafs, man, and these core four guys, like I saw some stat, it was like, this was the longest stretch that three of them hadn't scored or something ever in the history of all of them playing together. And it happens in the fucking second round when they finally made it for the first time in 19 years of the franchise. And that's when it happens. And the media is asking them questions immediately after about, is this the group we want moving forward? Hearing fucking, I almost threw my phone when I started fucking hearing this yesterday or the day before. You start hearing all this shit now that the Leafs have lost. And there's, again, all this scrutiny, all this questioning about, are the Leafs the team that we think they are? And we start hearing reporters. Like, people are, I don't know if they even are reporters. People online, fucking whatever. You see the, you see these things getting posted being like, uh, I took... Ovechkin until 2017 to win his first cup. It took uh, uh, 11 years for Stamkos after getting drafted till he won his first cup. It took so-and-so McKinnon nine years when they won last. Shut the fuck. I don't give a fuck. And also, I don't give a fuck when Matthews and the boys arrived and how long they've been and how long it took Ovechkin to win a cup. This fucking franchise hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. The clock doesn't restart because fucking man person the boys showed up and fucking started playing a little hockey five years ago. No, there's a fan base that is a little bit more invested, I think, than these fucks who are on the ice. I actually don't know. Move half of the core four, open up $20 million of cap, and literally sign another, get another AHL team in Toronto, and just sign another fucking, a, put another AHL team in there, and just literally use that $20 million, and just start a cavalry. That's what it'll be called, the Toronto Cavalry. And it's literally just mutant monster killers who all can make league men at 800000 and then we just insert them into the Leafs lineup as mercenaries. And what we, what we do is we start acting like hitmen. And I just said we, referring like I'm a Leafs fan and I'm with the team. So I actually might pause this quickly and go slam my fucking head off my desk. Because when people say that, that's the perfect way to let everyone know around you that you're a loser and you have no respect, okay, for yourself. When you start saying things like we, when we're talking about our favorite team, we got to win. We got to be good this offseason, make some moves. Shut up. Okay, shut up. But this is bigger than this core four. It's absolutely crazy. You look at these guys that are so impactful in the playoffs that all make like zero dollars, it seems. You could get rid of, you could buy literally 11 players with one of those guys' contracts. And 11 of the style of player that you need to win in playoffs to get over this hump. It's so fascinating. And I'm not going to just talk about hockey this whole episode because that's not what I like to do. But I have to rant. I have to get this off my chest, okay? This needs to, I need to get all this out right now. How do they not have a goalie? Everyone's praising, oh, Kyle Dubas has done such a great fucking job. How does this team not have an elite proven goaltender that can compete at the NHL level with the opportunity to make them competitive in the postseason. How is that not priority number one? Samsonov, I'm not discrediting Samsonov and Wool. These are good goalies. These are, these are good players. They're National Hockey League players. This is world-class talent. But we need somebody in there that's going to carry... Like, 
the Leafs are in the second round, and we got Joseph Wool, who has played like 13 NHL games, and we're trying to go to the cup with him? What the fuck are we doing? Same thing going on over in Edmonton. I am not an Edmonton Oilers fan by any stretch of the imagination, but because McDavid is as talented and is absolutely dominant, not just in hockey, but in regards to any sport on the planet, I want this team to succeed and do good with him. The fact that they have not been able to win with the pair of Dreisaitl and McDavid, it just shows complete incompetence to run a successful NHL organization. If you have the God-given talent that'll never come around again, that's McDavid, and you have pissed away however X of many years that he's played already in the NHL. Crosby won a cup. He was like 21. Taves was like 22. Yager was 19. Fucking, I think Gretzky was 23. Like the list goes on and on about elite players. McDavid, definitely in this conversation. The fact that this team has not found more playoff success is absolutely fucking embarrassing. It is a disgrace to the game. And I think Ken Holland, um, Jay Woodcroft, who looks like a Boy Scout troop leader, they should all be sent to the bye. We want to talk about semi-seclusion up in Cold Lake? Send them all there for the summer. I'd send the whole organization to some sort of campsite retreat. And we'll, we'll get a rink out there for them. They can skate and work out and shit. But no, it's you got to live off the land, the organization, the people in the front office... All of them, it's like an episode of Alone on Netflix. They literally have to go out there and they have to battle through adversity, which will give them some sort of weird team, you know, synergistic collaboration vibe that will let them to get over this fucking hump, okay? It's not often that you come onto a non-sports podcast and you get two answers for the fucking problems with the franchises in Canada that are deemed to be successful or are supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders. It's a fucking joke. <coughs> Christ, gotta clear my throat. I actually need a sip of water. I don't get upset often on the mic. I was upset there for a second, folks. Sorry if I, you know, that I don't even know if I took a breath or if there was even spaces between my words. I think I just kind of went, yeah, for the last five minutes there. So I apologize. Let me take a quick sip here. No. So as I, uh, when I moved back to Calgary, I needed a gym. You know, I was uh, all through the pandemic. I was a home gym guy. I had access to an unbelievable home gym in uh, in a just down the road from where I was spending the summers in Ontario the last couple of years. And then you know I was playing hockey. We had access to private gyms and whatnot. So yada yada yada. It'd been a long time since I'd been in a commercial gym. You know these normal gyms that are everywhere. So for those not familiar, for my non Canadian listeners. I have a membership at Good Life. Good Life is just a classic chain. Like, it's literally like LA Fitness, Anytime Fitness, fucking all those ones. Nicer than Planet Fitness, but it's, uh, it, no, it's a good gym. And honestly, they're nice. They got everything you need. And the thing that I, I needed to get this membership is because once you get the membership to one, it's like a franchise. There's, there, these are all over Canada. Every like decent sized city has one. Lloyd Minster, sadly, just a little too small. We're talking 20,000 again. 20,000 is not enough to get the commercial development plan for a good life involved, clearly. But they're everywhere, these good lives. So, again, not my number one choice of gym, but the convenience factor. Like, when I'm on the road, I just go to I go to wherever one, driving around. They're all over the place. It's just, it makes it really easy for convenience. But, like, and I never was a fan of public gyms. I just, I just don't like them. I just, I don't know. They're weird. I just never was into it. Even in school, the university gym sucked. 
like just having, you know, all those people from school in there and stuff like that. And I went to a smaller school, so we didn't have a huge, you know, we didn't have a massive gym. So, you know, a lot of, you, you can't go in there. You're surrounded by the public at all times. But it's, it'd been a while since I took a glimpse inside a commercial gym. But I got to be honest, it's easily the top three to five most terrifying places you can probably be right now on planet Earth is a commercial gym. Good Life being the example that I'm referring to. It's it's shocking, folks. What's the behavior that goes on in these things, I can't even, I, I go into these things, I can't, I won't make eye contact with a soul. I don't want anyone to even look at me. Don't even address that I'm there. And then the problem is everyone, girls, girl, every girl in the room is nude, half naked. They got tassels on their tits, barely. If that, sometimes. Sometimes I just want to go up and just be like, just take it off. Like, why even bother wearing your shoestring around your horns? Like, just get rid of it. Like, I honestly want to go up. Like, sometimes I see some of these outfits. I want to go, what the fuck? What are you doing? Like, and then I feel like you can't look. You can't even, like, I'm scared to turn around. Like, I turn around with my eyes closed in these places. Like, you, and they're surrounded by mirrors. Like, heavens forbid, like, you see a fluorescent orange movement and your eyes get drawn to it. All of a sudden, it's someone's arse. And then they think you're checking them out and you're a, you're a peeping Tom or something, some sicko. And then next thing you know, there's a TikTok video of you getting put online, looking at them, and they're yelling at you, trying to address it for clout. Clout. I'll never say that word again. Again, might have to pause this. Go give my head a quick four, five, seven smashes off the desk. Don't say that word. Hate that word. But it's it's crazy. And I... This is like a very unpopular opinion, but like I, I prefer like I, I don't want to work out with women in, around me. I don't want to. Uh, maybe that was because I, I don't know. I kind of came from that douchebag gym environment where you're just surrounded by all the boys and we're just like yelling, slapping each other on the back and shit. You know, acting like hyenas, getting that high testosterone environment. Which, if you've never been in it and and you've never understood the benefits of surrounding yourself like that when you're trying to do something like lift weights. That's what I like. I like, you know, maybe segregation by gender. I don't think that's a bad thing. I always laughed. Every gym used to always, you'd always see like the ladies only section. Give me a men's only section where I can go in there and the guy that's about to go do um, big heavy squats, I can walk up to him and I can give him a five star in the back seven times before he goes and he's a stranger. That's the room I want to go in. I want iron flying around that place. You got to have your head in a swivel. You might get a 45 off the tooth. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, hey, 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 stay fresh. Like, I want to go into Gold's Gym, like a place like that, and I want to see Ronnie Coleman in the corner screaming, lightweight baby. Like, that's, that's what I like to get after. You don't find that at, at, the, at, the world, at the good life. No. You don't. What you do find, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if a lot of these people are, does nobody work anymore? Is everyone working from home? Does everyone work remote? Like, it doesn't matter when you go, the place is packed. It's packed. And what really irks me about these gyms is you get these, you get the guys, you know, and certain ones, certain locations are great. Like I'm a kind of guy, like I like to do my squats. Like I'm a big, I don't like squat heavy or anything anymore, but like, I truly believe that like there's huge benefits to consistently training your legs. And if like, you're going to miss anything in a week, like if I'm going to do any weightlifting for my body in a week and I can only do one thing I'm doing legs like hundred percent. So I'm just a huge leg advocate. I don't know why I just enjoy it. I feel like it keeps me tight. If you will, is the word I want to say, keep me tight, but you go to these gyms. Some of them are great. Like I said, have a lot of squat racks. Some of them don't. And they might be like the same size of gym servicing, like the same population, the same amount of people at any time. 
but then this one might have three squat racks. So like, it's so annoying. Like, you know, you got to get in there when you got to get in there. You got to skip out on warm up sometimes. Cause like, fuck, I can't keep rolling out for another five minutes. Some dickhead's going to steal my squat rack. So you just got, you got to, you can do one workouts like out of order. Like I hate that. Like I like doing my things like, you know, how I want to do them in my like little routine there. I, so when you get there and like stuff like that happens and, or like worst case, not even just like them being busy, this like a gym, like good life, like this stuff happens like at a world gym, like good stuff like this would never happen. Someone would walk up to them and tell them to shut the fuck up and fuck off. Excuse me. Don't want to swear. But like at a good life, you might get like, you know, you see like the, sometimes it's a guy with his girlfriend. Sometimes it's just a guy or sometimes it's like three dudes and like they're doing deadlifts and they got every 45 plate in the city on the bar. And then they're doing one rep sets every 15 minutes. Like the amount of times I've gone to a good life, completed an entire hour and a half workout. And the same guy that was doing deadlifts when I walked in is still doing them. Some kid that's like 170 pounds with like one of those perm poofy haircuts. It's always one of them. They're still doing deadlifts. Like, and they're talking, like they're taking quick videos of each other, like sets, like they got more gear. They look like a kid rolling up to a minor hockey league game. They got a bag with all their bands, their knee wraps, their fucking belt, the belt they need to deadlift at the commercial gym. The, uh, every tinker and toy you've ever heard of. And in an hour and a half, they did, uh, uh, six sets and just hung out and just literally ruined the experience for every single other person around them. It's unbelievable. Like these squat racks, I started getting to the point where I was like, dude, like, I don't care. I don't go to the same gym every time. It's not like if I be a dick to a guy and, and I'm in the right, I'm not going to see this guy again. Like, I don't care about like having to like now worry about like, Oh, sorry, buddy. I was being a dick. No, just like it's, but it's, it's when guys like, it's always the big tunas too. It's always like the big muscle head guys with the tattoos. You can tell, they're walking around like they're holding a couple suitcases. They got the lats out for show, the bat wings, you know, they're cutting around. It's always those guys doing like a shoulder press with a bar and a squat rack. Just no social, like no self-awareness of like why that's fucking ridiculous. So like straight up, like I, I, I walked up to a guy the other day and this is a big tuna. You got the frosted tips, the spiky hair, and he's a big boy. Like he's probably, you know, he's probably six, two huge like jacked as fuck tattoos all the you know the whole nine and you know what these guys are like you can tell they're sweet i don't think they're used to like being talked to like not down to but like i don't know i feel like they walk around like they're superior and they're like expecting people to have like some weird respect for them because they're a fucking tool that got juiced up and has a bunch of tattoos and wears tight clothes to the gym i don't know their angle but anyways you go up and it's always it's always the guy doing, like I said, shoulder press or something like that. Literal signs being like, don't do it. I go up the other day. I'm just like, I'm like, buddy, like, no, you just can't be doing this in here. And he's a big guy. And you can tell he's like kind of impressed. He's doing like a, you know, almost 200 pounds in the press. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? It's on the fucking wall right there. The, the exact exercise you're doing is not allowed right here. Okay. There's, there's three squat racks, bro. I just, I got, I, this is the only time of day I can come to work out. I'm not missing my squats because you're doing fucking shoulder press. Okay? Fuck off. And like the look on these guys' eyes, dude. It's just like, whoa, what the f- Someone talked, someone doesn't respect me because of my bloated creatine physique? 
It's just like these guys, just, it's mind-blowing to me. The thing is with these guys too that I don't think people understand, these aren't tough guys. You want to talk about athletic, you want to get in a fight with one of these guys. You're talking about picking someone to fight? Fight one of these guys. Guy turns like an 18-wheeler. He's going to hit you? Just literally walk around him as he's winding up and just get out of the fucking way. These guys, like, literally, like, they'd be coming at you. It'd be like they're dragging a grand piano across the parking lot trying to shred you. That's what these, that's the athleticism level. Like, I don't know, like, doing, like, crossbody preacher curls isn't really, like, a, isn't something that really, like, gives you a skill set to fight well. So, a little less respect for the, the, the beef castles at the good lifes, okay? And I'm sorry if I seemed rude there. I like to think I'm keeping it very respectful. If everyone followed the rules, this kind of thing wouldn't have to happen. You know what I'm saying? I think you do. Anyways, folks, this, has been, this just feels good to be back. It feels good to be back on the mic. And it's nice that like I'm in a hotel room too because years prior, years prior, like I'm doing this podcast in like my girlfriend's parents' basement. So when you're a 27-year-old doing your own podcast from the basement on your laptop like often i would like literally sit at the ping pong table and pull up a chair and that's where i would record my po- my podcast is on their ping pong table it's hard to let loose and really let yourself go when you know your girlfriend's parents can probably hear every word you're saying really hard to dig into the creative juices and even when i'm at home right now my girlfriend's trying to watch vanderpump rules in the living room and i'm screaming at my microphone for 16 listeners, it's a weird dynamic. So when I get out here on the road by myself in the security of my hotel room, I feel like I can really let loose a bit, okay? So that's been beneficial. Folks, this has been fun. Again, this is episode something. I'll figure that out next time. We'll get back on to to the regular scheduled programming. But God, I missed you all. And I ain't going anywhere. I ain't fucking leaving, baby. I'm just getting started. Let's go. Thank you. I was just about to upload this, but then I realized that this is actually episode number 69. And I I could not say that it was episode number 69. That's fucking hilarious. Anyways, good to know. Hope you enjoyed the episode. (laughs) Number 69.